to Architecting. I'm your host, Angela Mazzi. You made it. This is the landing pad for raw honesty about connecting your career with your purpose. I'm going to give you the tools you need to be an unapologetic advocate for yourself and others, because if you're here, you believe that the space we surround ourselves in matters and you're committed to project by project building a better world for all of us. If you're with me, let's get architecting. Hey, Bright Lights, it's Angela. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to Architecting. It means so much to me to be able to coach you through the issues that we explore on this show so you can live your best architect lifestyle. Really claim that stressless success that you are meant to have where you have super high quality of life and you know you are making a difference through your work. That's living the dream. And I want to give you every resource I can to help you get there. Today is such a powerful episode. I'm going to get really vulnerable. This is the last in my three-part series on introverts. If you haven't listened to the first two, go back and take a listen. They're exploring a lot of the ways that introverts navigate the world that sometimes can make it look like we're extroverts because we're really good at putting on a persona of what a successful leader looks like. But it comes at a cost. So the first episode explored this idea of experience versus expertise. On the way as introverts, we can hide behind our knowledge and our skills and use them instead of really cultivating personal relationships. Part two was about that HBIC persona. So we see it all over the place in celebrity culture, in books and movies, anything where we want to see that take no prisoners, harbor no fools kind of thing. And as introverts, we tend to emulate that because it allows us to put on this armor of authority, which again, lets us channel everything through our skills and our knowledge and our expertise instead of having to be vulnerable or have hard talks or navigate a lot of personal relationships If someone stands in our way, we can just shut them down in this HBIC mode. Most people who assume this persona would never be thought of as introverts, but if you were to ask them, they would tell you, and you may be one of them, yeah, I'm totally an introvert. And remember, introverts are not shy. And we're not incapable of having powerful relationships. It's just that we don't get our energy from being with people. So we enjoy having an inner circle of a few close people. We also like our solitude, our time to reflect and process. And we do some of our best work alone, not collaboratively. That doesn't describe the modern workplace very well. So we adopt these personas as introverts and end up feeling really stressed out, overwhelmed, and burned out because we aren't taking that time to 
recharge that we need, we aren't really being our authentic self. And the last part that I'm going to cover today is about being made wrong. As the child of a very extroverted mother who was committed to me being the most successful bright shiny star out there, I experienced introvert shaming a lot and from a very young age. So my mother might bring me somewhere where there were a lot of other kids and the other kids already knew each other and she would expect that I would join right in and play. And that didn't usually happen. I would gravitate to other activities that nobody else was doing and entertain myself. Since I was an only child and there weren't really kids in the neighborhood where I lived, I was used to playing by myself or I would hang out with the adults because I was used to being around adults all of the time. She would bring me shopping with her and of course, like all kids, I didn't exactly love shopping and I would make a game of hiding in the clothes racks or doing other things that she considered antisocial behavior. This is that first example of introvert shaming. Rather than seeing the value in the creativity or the resourcefulness that I was exhibiting as a young child, the focus was only on how much I was interacting with other children. The other things I was doing that maybe were good traits to cultivate weren't really valued. This happens to introverts a lot, and it takes a toll on our self-worth especially in our formative years where the things we can do that have value are less celebrated or not celebrated and the things that don't feel easy or comfortable are pushed on us so we start to form an image of ourselves as having less to contribute because our worth and our value is only seen in social skills as I went on to grade school, she was highly dismayed that I didn't have what she considered to be enough friends. My best, best friend was someone who I met when we were in preschool. We were both three years old. We went to preschool together in kindergarten, so we spent three years being best friends, seeing each other every day. But she lived on the other side of town, and we didn't end up going to the same grade school. I still considered her my best friend and didn't really feel the need to make new friends at the new school. The teachers expected that I was going to play with the other girls and jump rope. Well, I didn't really know how to jump rope and I wasn't very good at it. And the way that they played, everyone stood in a line and jumped in turn. But if you missed, you had to hold the rope and turn it for everyone else. So guess who got stuck holding the rope? I quickly figured out, I really don't want to spend my recess turning a rope. This school did not even have a playground. It was a giant parking lot where they made us play. And there was this giant industrial pipe that was probably 10 inches in diameter that was nailed in along one edge of the parking lot as a wheel stuck. I took gymnastics. And I love the idea of the balance beam, so I would spend my recess walking up and down this giant pipe. 
doing different tricks and playing on it like it was my own personal balance beam. I was having a great time. What I didn't know was that that behavior that to me was fun and meaningful and absolutely a form of play was being viewed by other people as a problem. And this is the next part of introvert shaming. I'm sure many of you have memories growing up similar to this, where this area where you felt uncomfortable and awkward was held up and valued disproportionately, and you were not given tools to succeed at developing that trait. Instead, the extrovert way of doing it was just pushed down your throat. And you may have similar experiences where you were incredibly distraught, crying, feeling horrible about yourself because you just couldn't do it. It was terrifying to me to think about approaching someone and saying, hi, would you like to play? That what just would never have worked for me or really any introvert child. It needs to be a more organic thing. Introverts often succeed socially when they have a social magnetizer. That's that person that makes the first move and talks to you and sees value in what you can contribute and invites you to make that contribution to the group. As you think back on your own life, it might have been a friend, it might have been a teacher, but without that magnetizing person, left to our own devices, introverts often don't make the first move, especially when the context is purely social. We feel really comfortable in a group if we can be sharing our knowledge, but not when we have to initiate social interaction. In my own experience, I really think that my parents should have put me in a different school, given a lot of other circumstances that were going on in that place. But because there wasn't a valuing of the true social pain I was experiencing, because I was blamed for it, not the lack of social magnets, not the lack of inclusion on the part of the adults, because let's face it, a school is run by adults, not by students. And the adults were not being helpful in these situations. They were not being those social magnets. But my parents couldn't see that deficiency in the school because they were blaming me. As I got even older, I did have some friends at the school I went to, but my mother didn't think they were the right friends because they were more kids who were in the background. And she would constantly pull me aside and sometimes lecture me for two hours. And I would end up just crying because she made me feel defective. Even though I know she was proud of me for doing well in school, being an accomplished student, for being good at art and music and lots of other things, it really bothered her that this 
social part of my life didn't look like she thought it should. Her opinion of what social life should look like for me was based on popular culture. However, as an introvert, I didn't fit into that, and it bothered her to no end. I internalized a lot of that to the point where I often, even now, after I've been in a group interaction, constantly pick apart and analyze everything I did and said, and usually beat myself up for ways that. I maybe could have asked more questions about this or that person, or could have shared more about something, or could have, could have, could have. A really common thing that introverts experience out in the world because you either behave a certain way or you're weird. Something's wrong with you. You might recognize some of these common ways that introverts have been shamed. Being bullied or mocked for being quiet, being different, and people picking on you because of it, feeling a lot of pressure to participate in social activities or social gatherings, whether or not you really were interested. So you learned to stop checking in with yourself to say, "Do I like to do this? Do I want to do this?" And it became. Something you just had to do, and you blame yourself for being so awkward and so different. You're sure that it's all your fault when things go wrong. When we put that energy out there, of course, that's what we magnetize to us because that's what we're looking for. That's what we're resonating with. We notice the people who are the life of the party, and we compare ourselves to them. Well, we're never going to be that person, so we're always going to feel bad about ourselves. Or we don't have a full social calendar, and we think that makes us a loser, as opposed to maybe we truthfully don't want that many friends. And if we had that full social calendar, it would feel exhausting to us that we actually maybe look forward to a quiet Friday night spent at home or a weekend with a lot of downtime. But instead, we make ourselves wrong because we don't have that. When in honesty, we're not truly seeking it out because we really don't want it. We know introversion. Is a valuable trait. Introverts tend to be better listeners, more thoughtful about what they say, better at observing a situation because we can detach. Better at being loyal to those we love, or good friends, or good business associates. To really leverage those, we have got to get past. This introvert shaming, where we only magnify our own anxiety in a social situation because of the narrative in our head that was put there by our extroverted culture, often in our formative years, like I shared in my story. What really helped me to move past it 
was when I went to college and had more social agency, I could spend time around people that I resonated with. Form those bonds peer-to-peer dealing with knowledge and skill sets and the arena in which I felt comfortable as an introvert was the icebreaker, was the thing that let me make a connection that could then go deeper and extend to more personal things in a broader social context than just what we were studying together. I started to seek out these social magnet people as mentors and friends because they could draw me out. That was a skill that they had as an extrovert, and it helped me to show up as my authentic self without having to kind of clear that path of getting to know people first. My social magnet was helping me to do that. I learned from a mentor who I worked with when I was on the Phoenix Housing and Neighborhoods Commission. This was in my mid-20s, pretty early in my career. I was assigned leadership roles because often people assume that if you know the material and can confidently walk through it, that that's enough. And of course, we know leadership also involves the interpersonal skills to really be successful, not just being able to hold a big vision. You've got to inspire other people to implement it. And the vision you hold can't be something that only you care about. It has to resonate with a bigger group or they're not going to be motivated to carry it out. I was assigned to this affordable housing task force. And what I didn't know walking in was that there was a lot of bad blood between the city and the different community development corporations, neighborhood groups. Phoenix was a fast-growing city at the time. It still is, but it was especially fast-growing then. And there was a real sense of neighborhoods in underserved communities feeling passed over. I had the extreme good fortune of having a man come to the meeting. His name was Dr. John McIntosh, and he was a professor at Arizona State University. He co-led this group that was focused on exactly these issues. They would do student charrettes in communities. They would study the dynamics of underserved neighborhoods. They would pull together the architecture and urban design community to come up with ways to co-create and collaborate with these neighborhoods to think about what was possible. And then they would liaise that back to the city and help the neighborhood create a grassroots campaign to ask for some of the services and investment that they needed. So, of course, he had come to this meeting. And I noticed that even though the two sides didn't necessarily get along with one another or trust one another, everyone was looking to him and trusting him. But I also noticed that he didn't show up the way that you would 
stereotypically expect someone in this role to show up. A lot of times these kinds of people are very self-important and they like to hear themselves talk. They come across as this detached, aloof authority. But John didn't do any of that. He answered questions if he was asked, but mostly he sat there quietly. He tended to wait till the end and try to sum up and synthesize what he'd heard people say rather than trying to drive them along an agenda. I worked very closely with him for a number of years, the whole time that I lived in Phoenix, got to know him better, and really found him to be a powerful mentor because he was the first truly introvert leader I had ever witnessed. He didn't change his personality in order to lead the group. He leveraged a lot of these hallmark introvert qualities. He was building authentic connections. He was pulling together people. He was building trust. All those people skills that a good leader needs to have were present without him having to be that stereotypical persona of an extroverted leader. Wow, light bulb moment. In a society that values extroverts and that holds up the persona of the extrovert as a model for behavior, it's easy to see how introverts are always found lacking. When you don't do or say something, you become a blank canvas for others to project their emotions upon. If someone feels threatened because you're really good at your job and you are very talented and they don't see you talking a lot, they can project onto you. In fact, this is how you interact. They're reading into it because of their own insecurities. When introverts don't feel like the life of the party and they kind of drift away from the core group, that could be interpreted as rejecting the group. And it's really the opposite, right? As introverts, we're sitting there going, oh my God, I could never. Introverts are also less likely to fight back or more likely to just drop out instead. But we're going to carry that guilt that we couldn't make it work. If anything I'm saying resonates with you, I want to let you know that we're going a lot deeper with this in a new program that I'm offering called Leadership for Introverts. If you are really good at what you do, really passionate about it, you naturally will get put in leadership positions. But without the people skills that go along with it, a lot of this introvert shaming behavior can hurt your effectiveness. It can cause you to second guess yourself, question your worth, compare yourself to others, or for others to engage in that kind of destructive comparison. It can also cause you to work a whole lot harder than you need to 
and take on added stress because you are overcompensating for what you haven't been able to effectively delegate to others. If this sounds like you, I invite you to check out this new course. You can find it on my website at architectingpodcast.com. We're going to cover a lot of these issues that show up for introverts, especially as they move forward in their careers and are put in these leadership roles so that you don't have to deal with introvert shaming and you don't have to feel the pressure to adopt an extrovert personality and you don't detach or drop out when you feel insecurities get triggered. I'll be giving you better tools to navigate situations that are specifically designed for introverts so that they feel natural and authentic and comfortable for you instead of like a behavior you have to really psych yourself up and force yourself into. I'd love to be your coach on this, help you to really move past a lot of the life situations I shared in my story, and I'm sure you have similar experiences. It can mean so much to stop making yourself wrong and to realize that it isn't you. It is the lack of tools that you have been given to navigate. It is the fact that other people also feel pressure to show up as extroverts, even though they might be introverts. Let's dissolve all of that and let's really work from your strengths as an introvert to help you connect better and develop those soft skills that will make you a much more powerful and effective leader. Check it out at architectingpodcast.com. I'd love to have you in the class. And as always, if you resonated with this information and you know other people would too, be sure to share this content with them. Go back and listen to that whole three-part series and think about joining me for this class. We start mid-January, but if you get in now, you will snag some really cool bonuses, a meditation to help you ground in and center yourself, my audio on how to use your body language more effectively, as well as where you position yourself in a room or at your desk. And also you will get my networking guide. So these are really cool bonuses and I really want to give them to you. So don't delay. Go to architectingpodcast.com, sign up. It is just $88 and it will take less than three weeks if you follow along to complete this class to get those skills that you can put into practice and really see that difference right away. And remember, you can go back anytime too. So if you've got a big meeting coming up or you need to have a hard talk with someone, you can always go back and listen to that particular lesson, get what you need from it, and be equipped to show up as your best self. Thanks so much for being part of the architecting community. I love you all, and I hope to see you in the class. Mm-hmm.